0: Brother Reese is coming, and I'm thankful for his ministry and his friendship. And Parker is here, so the Holy Ghost is going to move. And Sister Reese, I was able. Uh, Parker, don't forget, I paid you for your very first sermon. I don't care whoever else pays you to preach. I paid you for your very first Holy Ghost sermon. So the Lord's on Parker and this family. What I'd like us to do, you know, sometimes we, Brother Reese won't say this because uh, he's too polite but sometimes we just kind of sit back when the preacher comes and we kind of wait for him to move us. But I I wonder if we could just take a moment and lift up our hands and say, Lord, I'm ready to receive the word. He doesn't have to pump me up. He doesn't have to push me. He doesn't have to beg me. Lord, I pray our hearts would be open. I pray our minds would be receptive. Anoint this pulpit. Anoint this preacher. Anoint these pews. Anoint our ears to hear. Our hearts to receive God. Our minds to process I pray that you'd anoint these altars today and stir the waters of baptism. We praise you in the name of Jesus, and we give you glory. Would you welcome Brother Reese to this pulpit right now with a great big warm hand clap of appreciation. We love you, sir. God bless you.
1: Clap your hands to the Lord one more time this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. thank you for this day hallelujah in his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise hallelujah what a day to be in the house of the lord i appreciate the honor of not only being able to minister but being able to minister on a day where we celebrate veterans amen how many enjoys your freedoms how many understands freedom isn't free price had to be paid amen amen Battles had to be fought. Lives had to be laid down. Lives had to be sacrificed. This morning, I had the honor of being here while pastor uh, taught Sunday school. And Brother French said something this morning that that I jotted down quickly in my my notes. And I wanted to mention it. He began to talk about fighting the good fight. He had no idea what I was going to speak about this morning. But this kind of goes parallel with what I believe God has given me. He made the comment. He said, no revival is without warfare. You want to win, you got to fight. You want there to be revival in your spirit, there's got to be some things you got to be willing to fight off. There's got to be some enemies you got to be willing to push back. There's got to be some walls you're willing to tear down. There's got to be some chains you're willing to allow God to break. Amen. There's got to be some warfare because freedom isn't free. There's a price that needs to be paid, and I appreciate Pastor for his great words this morning because it is God's word that tells us to put on the whole armor of God because partial armor is no armor at all because the enemy never attacks you where you're covered he attacks you where you're the most vulnerable amen it doesn't matter how shiny your breastplate of righteousness is if you've left off your helmet of He's going for where you're the most vulnerable this morning. And I appreciate what God is doing in this church and in this city and the revival that is being stirred here. It it offends me not at all that last Sunday night I did not get the chance to speak a sermon to you. It did not offend me at all. Because I found out God can preach a whole lot better than any of us preachers can anyway. Amen? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That word liberty there is release. There's release in the atmosphere. And and Sunday night I began to feel it. You began to feel it. The presence of the Lord began to move. And people in the house of God felt the freedom to release their worship. To release their faith. And miracles took place. And I believe God is going to continue to do the same here this morning. I appreciate all for being here. Pastor, always an honor to be allowed to be here. And not only that, to be allowed to come back. Appreciate you also, my friendship of... Brother Ryan, I appreciate him and the new fresh friendship of Sister Taylor. Thank y'all for all the gifts and everything that y'all did for him yesterday. But after I found out about the car wreck Monday, let me just go ahead and put a little plug in here what he really needs right now. (laughs) Insurance. Insurance. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. (laughs) If anybody wants to just give him another car, that'd be awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I appreciate God keeping his hand on this great family. It's always an honor to be able to be here with all the Frenches as well as Sister Cole. It's always good to be able to be here with you. My wife tells me it's always an honor to be able to sit there near you and glean from your faith and your worship. And She just cherishes that picture she took of y'all the other day. She just cherishes it. So I appreciate appreciate so much heritage, so much lintage, so much faith. This church, amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to 1 Kings 17 and 1. I'm going to refrain from the moment from giving you my title till later on, and you'll understand later. But 1 Kings 17 and 1. And from 17 and 1, if you'll swipe with me over to verse 3, we'll go from 1, 2, and 3. So if you'll swipe with me from verse 1 to 3. Or if you're old school and you like the pages, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn with me. So 1 Kings 17 and 1 says, And Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years. But according to my word, and the word of the Lord came unto him, and said this in verse 3. Get the hints, Turn the eastward. And hide thyself by the, brook, by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. If you'll skip over to the next chapter. 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 17. Amen. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah. That Ahab said unto him. Art thou he that troubled Israel? In verse 18, and he said, I have not troubled Israel at all, but you and your father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore, send, gather unto me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat. At Jezebel's table. Like I mentioned, I'm going to save my title for later on, but I believe there is an an atmosphere of fight in the house tonight, today. Amen? I believe there is coming a generation that is growing amongst us of church folk that are tired of just going through church as usual. It has now began to be more than just, I'm going to keep myself saved, but I'm going to do whatsoever I have to do to not only keep myself saved, but keep my family saved, keep my church strong, hallelujah, to keep the young people around me and in my church and in my youth group and in my children's ministry full of the Holy Ghost. There is a fight. That is rising up in this generation right now. And before we go any further, I want you to raise your hands. And I want you to pray that God open up your mind to be fully receptive to what thus saith the word of the Lord this morning. God. Jesus that you would speak unto us God let your anointing God to be in the words in which I speak but to be in the minds to be open into the church body this morning Lord we thank you for your presence and we thank you for your word which is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path we receive it Lord right now in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen why don't you clap your hands to the Lord right now hallelujah if you believe God has a word for you this morning Oh, if you believe God has a word for your family, if you believe God has a word for your city, for your community, hallelujah, for your co-workers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. There's nothing more that excites me than to read in the word of God of miraculous stories. Of where God intervened in a situation. I love it when I hear someone share their testimony of how God brought them through something. Amen? It always encourages me because it reminds me that we're all human. And we all go through struggles. And we all go through battles. That I'm not going to sit here and sing a sad song to you this morning. That you'll leave more depressed than you arrive. Because we're all crying up the side of the mountain situation. It's, it's not a rough side of the mountain. Not a sermon like that this morning. But I want to encourage you that the Word of God, if you don't dig into God's Word enough, I'm encouraging you right now to always feast on the Word of God. No man can live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I love to hear victory stories of healing and stories of the power of God being manifest. I'm, very, I'm a very much imaginative person. I, I have a very vivid imagination when I'm reading the Word of God. And, and and when anybody gives visuals, that really just intrigues me. I In school, I didn't do so good in school. I didn't get in church till I was about 20. And because I didn't do so good in school, I'm but Pastor, I'm going to blame it on the teachers because they wasn't creative enough. Hallelujah. It wasn't on the fact that I didn't care. It wasn't that I just didn't, I was a goof off in the back of the class. I know nobody would believe that. They, I was not the one in the back of the class throwing the spitballs. That wasn't me right now. I want to put that out there, but But I do know that I didn't do so good in school, and and it probably would have helped me out now that I figured out how my makeup is, that it would have helped me out a lot had the teachers been a little more illustrative, had they been given some visuals a lot more, because that's just, not everybody's like that, but... In my mind, when I read God's word, I began to imagine it actually playing out of my mind like a, like a play on a stage or a movie scene. A clip from clip to clip. And I begin to play it out of my mind because I have no idea what actually took place. All I can go by is the details that God allows us to have. And I see in the word of God where God creates the, the moon, the stars, the planets, the sun. And I just, I just sit there and imagine out of nowhere an explosion. Of the solar system coming to pass, I, a lot of people might get shocked when I say this, uh, that I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I believe that when God spoke, bang, it happened. That's what I believe. <laughs> I said that one time in a youth class, and a youth pastor looked at me like, why is he in my room right now? Because he gave that question, there ain't no Big Bang Theory. I said, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. And it was like he was going, oh, my, I'm going to have to rebuke this brother right here in front of everybody. So I believe God spoke, and bang, it happened. I believe God stepped out on absolutely nothing and created absolutely everything. I believe God looked out there and said, oh, I'd like to have a star right here. And I'd like to have the sun right here. And I'm going to put earth right here just a little bit distance from the sun. Not too far away. and Not too close. But just right. And we have a world and a generation that tells us that's just happenstance. That's just a mystery because you can't understand it. But I do believe God is the creator of all. And I sit there and I see trees just coming forth out of the ground quickly. Almost like a chia pet. Just put a little water on it and boom, all of a sudden there's a tree. And I just see this happening as God is speaking everything into existence. As he's creating all of these animals. And he's looking at it after he speaks it into existence. And then he says, oh, this is good. But then he looks around and says, oh, but there's one more creation I must make. And the Bible says God did not speak this one, but he took the time to lean down into his dust that he created and his dirt that he formed, went down as if a child on the beach creating a sandcastle and leans down with his hand. I just, it's in my mind. This is in my mind. And all of a sudden there comes a, a body being formed or shaped from the dust of the earth and There's no life in it yet. It's just laying there still and I just see the fingers being formed and the ears and hair and all, but it's just laying there lifeless till God leans into the face of this image and blows into his nostrils the breath of life. And that just lets me know that God loves us as humanity more than anything else because he did not speak us when he could have, but he took time to put his hands on us and to breathe in us. So if I'm talking to somebody this morning that feels like you're insignificant and there's no purpose to your life, I'm telling you, God formed you for his purpose. I'm here to encourage you right now. There's a reason you're here this morning. It was more than just an invitation. It was more than just a a field gap because I needed that. I didn't want to have an empty spot on the pew beside me. I didn't want Pastor to get mad. You. It was more than that. This was ordained of God. I see in my mind the parting of the Red Sea. I see it happening as Moses. Holds his staff up. Not like Hollywood portrays it. Not a hitting of the waters and all of a sudden a swooshing of the ocean. No, no. It was an all night long process of a man of God sitting there waiting on God to bring forth a promise. Even though it was taking longer than he wanted it to. (laughs) Sometimes we need to wait on God to do what he has to do. And all night long the waters were pushed back and as the sun rose. There's dry ground and we're crossing over. I see this. The burning bush as God speaks out to the man of God telling him to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. As I begin to see them walking around the walls of Jericho. And then the walls all of a sudden on that seventh lap and they began to cry out and shout and blow the trumpets. The walls all of a sudden began to quake, begin to shake. And all the chariots that would race on the top of these big broad walls would begin to come crumbling down to the ground. I can see that it's more than anything I could ever imagine taking place today. I can see David. Looking out there across the field and down there across that canyon over there and hearing Goliath running his mouth against God and God's people. And anger being stirred up in David to where he says, I'm not going to sit by and let this uncircumcised Philistine run his mouth not only about me, but about my God. And he runs to the giant. I see this. And it just excites me. It wasn't a casual trot down there to the water and just kind of humdrum around. And, David knew what he was doing. He had a vision in his mind. He already had set what he wanted. And as soon as he grabbed up them five smooth stones, he ran to his enemy because there was a fight in him. Oh, it's stories like this that cause my faith to grow every time. I read them. I remind these stories to Parker in the morning. I have to take him to school. We leave the house In the mornings, to take him to school about 6.25, I have to have him there by 7. And on the way to school every morning, we sit there, and he's in his back seat chair, and we're telling uh, uh, biblical stories. And I'll say, explain to me the story of David and Goliath. And he begins to tell me, explain to me Noah. Explain to me about Joshua. Tell me some stories, and and his little six uh, six year old mind just is so creative. But I've been shocked at how 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 just how right he has been. It just I thank God for uh, Sunday schools. I thank God for 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 a praying mama and a teaching mother and a and a dad that talks the word of God to him. Thankful for that. It's testimonies like this that helps me to fight another day, even though my faith is down and weak from battle. I understand I'm in a house with people that have gone through battles I haven't battled yet. I understand you might have came here on a wing in a prayer this morning, giving God just one more opportunity to meet your need. I understand that might be the case. But there's not many stories that excite me more than the story I read here in the opening of this sermon this morning. It's a story about a prophet by the name of Elijah. I read from 1 Kings 17 and 1 where this is the first time you hear of this powerful man of God. He just arrives on the scene. There's no introduction. There's nobody that steps to the pulpit before him and gives out this long background and resume of all the miracles he's done and hands the mic to him and he walks up in eloquence and begins to tug on his jacket and button his, and begins to start preaching. You know, Elijah just pops up on the scene. No introduction. He just arrives. And not only does he just arrive, he comes in with a With a word of discouragement to an evil king. He's talking to King Ahab. And 1 Kings 16 and 30 says, And Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. We aren't talking about an Egyptian pharaoh or even a Philistine king. We're talking about the king of Israel. A king of God's people. The Bible tells us that he built an altar to Baal. It did more to provoke the Lord to anger than any other king before him. That's not something I want on my resume. That's not something I want to be remembered for. I don't want to be remembered as, well, he used to be a good preacher. Man, he used to always show up at church. Man, he, he used to do this. I, I don't want that to be my story. And we began in our reading here this morning with God sending Elijah to Ahab to give him a word from God. God said, Elijah, I need you to go speak to this evil king. And I've got a specific word. I need you to give him. And this is what I want you to tell him. First Kings 17 and 1, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall now be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. This dry spell lasted for three years. 1 Kings 18 and 1 says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elisha in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth again. But I skipped down to verse 17, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Are you the one that troubled Israel all of these three years? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, in that you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather unto me a great audience of false prophets to Mount Carmel. An audience of 850 people. Now therefore send and gather to me 150 450, and the prophets of the groves, which are 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. This moment in biblical history is where a battle takes place that Elijah is probably known the most for. I, I know what we, we, we hear the stories of him being caught up there in that whirlwind of fire, but this one here is just always excites me. It even excited the disciples at one point when, when Jesus was teaching, and the disciples looked over him and said, Why don't we just call down fire from heaven and burn them all up? See, they even like these stories. <laughs> Who doesn't want your enemy just to be burnt up? Don't raise your hand. Hallelujah. We want revival in this city. Come on. Brother raised his hand anyway. Pray for him. Hallelujah. But I understand that when you begin to fight against the ways of God, and when you begin to push against the hand of God, it's not a fight in the eyes of God. It is a defeat. Because you'll never win once you fight against the hand of God. It's not a fight at all. We we understand that when we see somebody and we hear about a great boxing match or something. And we see somebody who's a champion of about ten different belts or rings or whatever they give them when they win. and, And then you have this dull old rookie in the beginning. You look at yourself and say, wow, this isn't even a fight. Because you already see a defeat. Just ask Satan that. Just ask Satan what fighting's like when it comes to kicking against God. Just ask him. Why don't we ask Saul when Jesus knocked him off his horse while he was busy killing and persecuting and imprisoning all of God's people. Took his sight from him. Changed his life. So that lets us know the more you battle God and fight against his calling in your life, the harder it is for you. It's a lose-lose battle. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. You're here. You might need the Holy Ghost and you've been putting it off and you've just been pushing against God. Kicking against the pricks. You've been pushing against it as much as you possibly can. But I'm here to tell you nothing will cause you to keep God from wanting to love and wrap his arms around you. Pull you closer to him. Now could be your moment this morning. Don't leave this place the same way you came. Which now brings us to Elijah setting the stage. Like I said, I have a very vivid imagination, so bear with me if some of my illustrations are pre-church. Hallelujah. Post-church, pre-church, always get those mixed up. Before church, come on somebody. I'm not a theologian. I didn't go to Bible college. But it was before I got the Holy Ghost. But we have all of Israel. And Elisha says, gather with me 450 prophets of Baal. 400 prophets of the groves. Let me now paint you just a glimpse of a picture that my illustrative mind sees. All of a sudden, the spotlight comes on. Elijah is standing there in the spotlight. All of a sudden, in the loudspeakers in the background, you hear eye of the tiger beginning to break forth in the ground. Elijah walks up to the microphone, grabs it off of the stand, and begins to speak into the ears of all Israel and the false prophet. Clearing his throat, didn't even have to have a bottle of water. Come on, somebody. 1 Kings 1821, and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, why don't you follow him? But if Baal then follow him. People answered him, Not a word, very smart. <laughs> then said Elijah unto the people, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore gather us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves, cut it into pieces, lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. I will dress the other bullet, lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. And call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. I like the way he said that. Go ahead and call on yours. The ones you had to create. The ones you have to speak for. The ones that can't see unless you tell them what they need to see. The ones that can't hear you cry out unless you cry out in their ear to scream and get their attention and still get no response. Your God and then I'm going to cry out unto the God. Ah. And the God that answers by fire. Well, we're just going to go ahead and say, well, he is the God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, I just want to stop right there for a moment and ask everybody here, how many today are still thankful that God still answers by fire? How many are still excited that when God opens up his mouth to somebody that needs the Holy Ghost, God still answers by fire? God still has the authority God still has the power to burn your enemy away I'm here to tell somebody right now if you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost now is your moment this morning to allow God to answer your question this morning what must I do he's going to answer it with fire (laughs) So the prophets ignorantly accept the challenge. They're just arrogant enough to believe that their God will answer. Though they've never heard him before. But they didn't want to be put to shame by this Elijah. They accept the challenge. They take their bullock. They dress it for the sacrifice. They call on Baal from morning until noon. Nothing. Not even a whisper. Not even a, a clearing of the God's throat. Not even a <clears throat> nothing at all. The God did not respond. Their little creation didn't respond to their sacrifice. And I believe, like I said in my imagination, I believe Elisha, according to the word of God, in a little mixture here, picks up the microphone and starts trash talking the other side. <laughs> Oh, why don't you cry a little bit louder? My, maybe he's on a journey. He gets back there and elbows a couple of his friends. You hear what I said? Maybe he's traveled somewhere far off. <laughs> maybe he's having a conversation with somebody else. Did you hear that, brother? Wasn't that awesome? That was good. And I just see Elijah just sitting there just poking the wound. Oh, oh, oh I don't hear it either. That's the, I thought I heard your God for a minute. No, no, that was just a bird flying by. I'm sorry. He's trash talking, and maybe God's traveling away, oh, 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 or maybe he's asleep. Don't you just love Elisha? I, I, I love trash talking. I, I tell you what, I don't, I don't keep up with the, with the sports at all, but if I find out who your favorite team is, mm, I'm going to talk smack about that team. I'm going to Google whatever I got to do to find out how many games you've lost. And you're going to think I just have a favorite team, and then you're going to ask me, well, who's yours? I don't have one. I just just don't like yours. (laughs) That's just my personality. So I relate with Elijah. But out of frustration of Elijah smack talking, they get angry, and they start jumping on the altar, bouncing on top of the bullet, trying. I don't know what they thought they were doing. Cutting themselves, splitting blood all over the place, trying to get a fire started somehow. Oh, how many times have we come to church thinking, if we just run, we'll get a fire started. If we just dance, we'll get a fire started. If we just get all active physically, it'll just happen. But God said, no, no, it ain't about how much you dance. It ain't about how much you shout. It's how much you have faith to believe I am a God that responds to your dance. And I respond to your shout. Physical energy is never a replacement for your faith. It's never a replacement for your sincere worship to God. Though I love a good aisle running. First time I came to church, the reason I came back is because a 15-year-old boy took off running around the church. Got me all excited. said, man, I've never ran like that in church. So I encourage you, if you want to streak out and go a running this morning, you ain't going to hurt my feelings. I'm just going to keep on a preaching. Might distract a few others, but hey, we'll pray them through. And they're up there cutting themselves, stomping on the altar. Elijah's giggling in the background. No sound, no whisper, not a word. But now they give up, and Elisha steps up the bat. Walks up to the plate. I ain't going to really spit in my hands for the next preacher, but... Steps up, and the first thing. He does. First Kings 18 and 30 started repairing the altar that had been tore down. He understood, i got to start building some things back up. i got to start rebuilding this prayer life back up. i got to start re- re- restoring some worship I've been throwing away. I've got to start getting myself back down in the presence of God. Preaching to somebody this morning kind of threw that in there for you took 12 stones according to the 12 tribes of Jacob, made a trench around the altar. He said, I'm going to go a little further. I didn't tell y'all you had to do this, but but I'm going to sit here and poke the womb a little more. I'm going to dig a trench around the altar and I'm going to prepare the bullock on the altar and I'm not going to pour four things of water, nor am I going to pour eight barrels, but it's going to be 12 barrels of water on the altar. And not only is the altar going to be covered with water, the trench will be full. There'll be no doubt in your mind that God is about to bring forth a miracle. God does not want us taking the credit for anything he does in the house of God (laughs) I appreciate doctors I appreciate the miraculous but my son not long ago he's not living for God at this moment and not long ago about a month it was August About August 17th, he had a heart attack, taking something that stopped his heart, and he died twice. He died before he got to the hospital, then he died in a helicopter ride on the way to another hospital. Had two heart attacks, never woke him up for four to five days later. Didn't know if there was going to be brain damage, lung damage, heart damage. No idea. They paralyzed him medically, put him on a ventilator, shut his lungs down, and left him like that for three days. They said we got to save his brain any way we can. We don't know what damage we've never had, just well, we don't have very often two people that die like this, and we're able to sit here and help them. They're usually already gone. So we sit there and we wait. And what do me and mama do? Me and mama stand on both sides of his hospital bed with a prayer cloth in his hand, laying hands on him every day, every moment. We didn't care if a doctor walked in, we didn't care if a nurse walked in, we didn't care if his friends walked in, we didn't care if anybody walked in. We just wanted to make sure God walked in. I'm talking about a God that still works miracles. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. And we're sitting there praying. Nothing happens at the moment. Nothing happens. Stay with me now. We're praying. We don't get a flicker on the machine. I don't get a smoke come in the room. A dove doesn't fly in. An angel of the Lord speaks to me. Nothing. Then the doctor comes to me and said, well... Be prepared if he has another heart attack on whether you want us to resuscitate him or not. That's hard. Talking about your son that's not living for God and now you need to decide whether he should live. I said, doctor, every chance until that boy ain't living on nothing but that machine, you better revive that youngin'. He said, that's exactly what I want to hear. He's too young to die. He said, others said, just go ahead and cut off the machine. And I said, you better not touch it. Because my God's going to work a miracle. We're praying for a reason. He said, I like to hear that. Then the doctor, about a couple, like I said, about three days later, he said, we're going to start taking him off of the ventilator start taking him off the paralysis medicine. Start begin, they had to cool his body down in order to freeze it to save his brown. No medical people know what I'm talking about. But he had to thaw him back out and warm his body back up and take all the medicines and see if he revives. Then all of a sudden, after that third day they started doing it, the nurse comes out there to the, to the waiting room and grabs me and my wife and says, come here, come here. And we went into the room, and I was expecting to see my son sitting up or anything like that. Nothing. He was still laying there. She said, watch this. And she leaned down and grabbed his foot and pinched the bottom of his foot, and his eyes frowned up. He felt it. He, he quenched. She said, watch this. And she reached into his side and twisted him on his side, and he, he curled up said now he doesn't know what's happening right now but his body is feeling what's taking place this is the beginning of a very good testimony god is beginning to work on him well she didn't say that in my mind i did she said it's looking good right now his brain has function, and it's good it's a good sign we're not out of the dark i said that's fine we ain't through praying (laughs) i ain't gonna give up just because he twitched i don't want to see me and his trees walking i want to see clearly About that time, all of a sudden, he began to revive and come to, and he didn't know what was going on. He woke up, and he began to open his eyes. He began to try to talk. He was fighting the tube in his mouth, his throat. The doctor said, he's sitting there trying to fight the tube. He wants to talk. He's trying to ask you what happened. He has no memory, and that's normal because of what he's went through. He might lose partial memory for right now, but it'll be regained. He'll be fine. Everything goes well. They begin to take him off the ventilator. His lungs are now 100%. He is now leaning up. there, now beginning to talk to him. He's now looking at us, responding to everything we say. Yeah. Yeah. Then the doctor walks in, which brings me to this whole testimony. The doctor walks in when I said, you can't substitute the power of God. And I appreciate doctors and all they do, but this doctor himself walked in. The doctor over all the ICU, they've been taking care of his brain scans, heart, lungs, everything. And he walked in and he looked at my son. He had an accent. He said, boy, you gave us a scare. You should have died. But I'm going to tell you right now, every time I walked into this hospital room, I saw your mama and I saw your daddy laying hands on you and praying over you constantly. Boy, I need you to understand something. Medical science and everything that we gave you alone by itself is not what saved you, it was the parents of your mama and your daddy. There is no substitute to what God can do, but sometimes you have to battle some things. Oh. I, I got to admit, when it all took place, I wasn't feeling... You can be seated if you can, if you want to. That I wasn't feeling all revival at the moment. I was looking at the enemy destroying my family. Coming against me. Hurting me. And here I'm going through a valley. And I got to still preach on the weekends and the weeks and travel out. Here I got to encourage others to live for God. And my son's on his deathbed. Needless to say... Fully revived. He was released a few days after that. Even the paramedics in the helicopter showed up to look at him and said, we just wanted to come see the boy that died twice. We heard you were still alive. We wanted to come lay eyes on you. I'm still believing God's working a miracle. But the enemy had me thinking I'd lost it. Dig your trench all you want, boy. Fill it up with water all you want. Ain't going to happen. Then all of a sudden, the Bible says Elisha called on the name of his God. And fire not only consumed the sacrifice, it began to lick up all of the water. God does not move in to work a miracle in your life, to be half-hearted, to step in there and do a little bit of job to give you a goosebump. He's trying to change your life for the rest of your life. What an amazing Mount Carmel moment. What an amazing moment, Pastor. And I see this in my mind and it becomes more relevant when I have something like that that goes through my life. That's my storm. I don't know your storm. I I don't know what you've been through. I have no idea what you've gone through the valleys you had to be in. I have no idea what you had to deal with before you got your victory. I have no idea, but it's a testimony that will encourage somebody else because i found out and i'll give you my sermon title now i found out before your mountain before your victory before your highest point of shout unto god you're always going to come to a brook before your mountain there's a brook before you get to that point where you could sit there and try to take all the credit. God says, no, no. I'm going to bring you to a point where you're going to know without the shadow of a doubt. Had it not been for me. Somebody going to get the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm telling you right now. Somebody's about to have a healing in their body. Somebody's about to have a change take place in their spirit. God's about to raise you up. Change your life. And when you walk out, you'll never be the same again. Come on, somebody. Come on, right now, just for a moment, before I go any further, why don't you lift your hands? Come on, God's still going to say something here. Oh, worship him. Prepare the ground for God to move. But we love these stories of the miraculous. But before you can experience your story, you might possibly have to go to a brook. Because we always want to climb the mountain. We always talk about mountain experiences. We all want to get up to the mountain. We want to soar with the eagles. We want, but we don't realize that many people make it to the top because of the struggle and the process. And you don't just decide tomorrow morning I'm going to be a mountain climber. You better get yourself together. You better get your lungs ready to endure that thin air. You got to have everything you need to keep you warm up there. There ain't no life up there. There ain't no animals up there. And there sure ain't many people up there. But we all want to go. Get halfway up the mountain and we begin to talk it out with God. Well, God, maybe it's just my my will and my lot in life that I just be alright with my little cabin in the corner of glory. I'm just gonna hang out right here. This I kinda of like this spot. It's more comfortable, I can breathe better. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. I like comfortable. Mm. You see, I skipped several portions of scripture on purpose here this morning. I did it because we all too often in the same way want to hurry up and get to our mountain moments. But let's back up and look at what happened here long before Elijah ever had his amazing moment on Mount Carmel. We read in 1 Kings 17 and 1 where Elijah approached King Ahab. Because of his sinning and causing the people of Israel to worship Baal. And told him that there's coming a drought. Right after he tells King Ahab about the drought, God then turns to Elijah and says, I have a word for you now. Thank you for doing what I said I need you to do. Now I need to give you a word. See, it's something when we come to church and we always say, man, pastor's preaching to him. (laughs) It's easy to say that, man. I'm glad pastor's finally preaching to sister so-and-so right now because he's tearing her up. (laughs) The whole time God's been talking to you and you're like, mwah." Me? Surely you jest. In 2 Kings, God gives Elijah a word and says, Now, man of God, this is what I need you to do. Get the hints. (laughs) Turn the eastward and hide yourself. Hide? I just gave a man a word from you. What do I need to hide from? I need you to go and hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan so here we have Elisha a man of God I'm getting near my hand I'm giving you some hope here but stay with me because God's about to bring you to your mountain moment but it's only when you realize that the brook that you've been hanging around here lately is not there to hurt your feelings it's not there to cause you to be miserable is here to strengthen you to climb your mountain. Elijah, the man of God, prophet of God, we don't know anything that he has done up to this point, fresh off the press, gives a word, then God tells him now go hide, relax by the brook, hang out right there, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to send you bottled water, I'm going to have McDonald's delivered right to your feet, I'm going to give you everything you need, I'm not going to make you work for it at all, I'm going to have the ravens bring you food I'm going to have the water flow right there to you all you got to do is lean forward and get up everything you want to, man does that not sound good for any child of God, the Lord looks at you and says, why don't you just hang out and just take it easy, I'm going to provide for you for the The rest of your life. How many would turn that down? Not a soul. But something happened. That I'm sure caused some confusion in the mind of Elisha. As well all of us. Then verse 6 says. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. And the bread and the flesh in the evening. He had good breakfast and good dinner. And he drank of the brook. Good clean water. All natural. And it came to pass after a while. We don't know. But after a while. After Elisha got used to all these freebies. That the brook began to dry up. What, what, what's going on? What's going on, God? Why, why, why are you picking on me? I come to church every Sunday. Did you not hear that song I sung last Sunday, Lord? You ever heard me play a keyboard? God, let me show you right quick. You know, I ain't picking on nobody. I'm just using examples. I've got a lot to offer, God. Why are you picking on me? Water began to dry up because there had been No rain. Elijah, why did you not see this coming? <laughs> you sat there and told the king what the prophecy was. And now you're complaining there's no rain, no water. What is so significant about this incident is that it has anything to do with what happened on Mount Carmel. Yes, it does. God sent ravens, and I want to break this down for you right quickly. Raven is the third cousin to the vulture. Jews saw ravens as completely unclean animals. They were animals that they were all to stay away from. Why a raven? Why would God use a raven? Why didn't God use an eagle? Why didn't God use a falcon? Why didn't God use something else to bring him food? Why did God use the most filthy animal to bring him what he needed? Secondly, why would God lead Elisha to a brook that was about to dry up? I believe without the shadow of a doubt. And I believe God is speaking this to somebody here this morning. You might be saying in your mind, wow, it don't really sound like a revival sermon here. Preacher, you're supposed to come in here and uh, tickle my chill bumps, get me all excited, keep me happy on top of the world. I'm here to encourage somebody this morning. Because I believe without the shadow of a doubt, God was preparing Elisha for what he needed Elisha to do three years from now. It wouldn't be... It wouldn't be till God spoke to him after three years of drought to go get King Ahab that Elisha would understand why he had to. Not only hide by the brook, but be fed by filthy ravens and had his only water source to dry up. It's because before every mountain, there's a brook that you must sit by. There's a time you must get in the presence of God and be absolutely okay with God not blessing you at that moment. Boy, I just threw a curveball at you there. Preacher, we're supposed to always be talking about blessings. Blab it and grab it. Blame, claim it and claim it, and blame it, blame it. I don't know the words. Uh, you're supposed to sit here and make me feel all encouraged. It's supposed to be some kind of an encouraging prosperity message. What are you doing, preacher? Well, I believe I'm talking to some humans that deal with real life. I believe I'm talking to some people that's been praying for God to work a miracle. And you haven't seen signs of it yet. You've been sitting here wanting God to save your spouse and you're not seeing anything. They're not even getting a chill bump at all. You talk about God, there's no response. Your kids, you ain't seen them. My kids, I ain't seen them. Until death comes knocking on the door and I got to pray life back into them. But God said, just hold on, Colin. Hold on. I just got you by the brook right now. I want to make sure you understand something. That there's going to be moments I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to bring everything right to your doorstep. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. But I need to make sure that you ain't just loving me for the blessings. Because I'm going to need you to pray fire down on some prophets down the road. And if I don't strengthen you right now, that fire will consume you too. Come on, I'm talking to somebody right now. You're going through some stuff right now. I don't know what you're battling with. I ain't trying to get you all emotional and cry. I'm trying to be real with you. You've been needing the healing for a long time. You've been wanting God to answer your prayers. I can tell you right now there's been prayers. Me and my wife have prayed and prayed and cried and struggled and prayed and still haven't got an answer yet. But I ain't letting go of God just because he ain't talking right now because I understand there's coming a mountain down the road and God's going to take me and my wife to the top of it. Everybody stand with me right now in this place. Before every mountain there's a brook. How many in here would agree you fell on hard times? You battled loss. You battled defeat. You suffered with failure. You felt broken. You suffered hurt and disappointment from those closest to you. I'm telling you right now, before you ever start praying for your mountaintop victories, ask God to strengthen your faith as you survive in your brook season. (laughs) This morning... It's possibly somebody's mountain moment. Right now, you're about to find out why you've been having to hang out by the brook and not getting the best of everything while you're seeing everybody else on the pew beside you be blessed. And God's trying to intervene you right now and trying to step in between and stop before you get bitter and hateful. It's not always easy. I'm just going to be transparent for a moment. It's not always easy to sit there struggling to doing the work of God, trying to stay as faithful as possible. Trying to do all you can and watch everybody around you blessed but you? Come on, am I talking to anybody in the house? (laughs) We're human. We've all been there. It's in moments of loneliness, brokenness, heartache, desperation. That you learn to acquire an appetite for the things of God. Elijah, Elijah, I know you're upset because the raven stopped. I know you're upset because the water has now dried up. But I need you to understand something. Before I ever take you to your mountain moment where you can call fire down on the enemies of God and you can go watch it before you ever try to get a name for yourself, I need you to remember back at that brook where I provided for you and then I stopped providing for you but I never stopped being your God. I still brought you to your mountain moment. That's why I know When Elisha got to that point on that mountain, he knew exactly what to do. Oh, God, I remember when you dried up that water. I'm going to give it back. Give me 12 barrels of water. I'm going to pour it all over this altar. I'm going to do all I possibly can. I remember, God, when you stopped providing for me in food and nourishment. And a sacrifice of food for me to live. So now I'm going to sit here and believe for you to now provide the fire. We sing about it. you provide the fire. Come on, we sing about it. But I'm telling somebody right now, Every your hand raised. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to open up to what God has for you because God's about to pour something out on somebody. I don't know if you need the Holy Ghost. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know how long you've been doubting God for a miracle. You've been doubting the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You've been doubting for a miracle. You've been living on low, low, lung, uh, no, low oxygen and your body can't hardly function. Your diabetes is out of control. Your blood pressure is about to take your life. Your kidneys are shutting down your heart is on the fridge I have no idea you've just been by your brook and God's been strengthening you in those moments where you felt like you wasn't getting your answer oh you were getting your answer Mm -hmm, because you're here you made it to your mountain you made it through the brook you made it through your moment of hunger and waiting on God God wants to make sure that you love Him no matter how you feel. Because your faith and your walk for God should never be predicated on how you feel, but who God is. Mm. Lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Hallelujah. Before you ever call fire from heaven, you need to know without the shadow of a doubt. Without me, you can do nothing, God is telling somebody. Without me, you can do nothing. I am your provider. I am your way maker. I am your sustainer. I am your miracle worker. Not you, but me. Even God, when he manifests himself in the flesh, later on, taught the same lesson to his disciples. When he looked back at his disciples and said, without me, you can do nothing think about Elisha. he'd have never got that mountain moment had he not been hanging out by the brook allowing me to provide for him allowing me to humble him allowing me to bless him come on come on come on come on i want you to pray before you make your way to this altar right now i want every hand raised i want your eyes closed i want your head tilted towards heaven i want you releasing your faith right now because god has spoken a word to somebody like pastor said this morning in his lesson even if this was just for one soul in here, angels will rejoice when there's an infilling of the Holy Ghost angels will rejoice when there's baptism in Jesus name, angels rejoice when there's repentance of even one sinner before every mountain there's a brook before every Mount Carmel there's a brook, Cherith Because if you find it hard to to submit to God when the going gets tough, you'll never have the faith to stand when the blessings start falling from heaven. My last scripture in this altar is open. Listen very carefully right now And this altar. is wide open. We're going to begin to sing and worship. I don't want you to come down and add and just simply stand there and sing. I don't mean to be pussy right now, but they're not looking for a choir right now. I want you to worship. I didn't say not to worship. I don't want you just to come down and just sing and think about that. I want you to come down and talk to God. I want that to begin to move you to a sincere worship and a praise. Connect with him because James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You want your mountain moment? Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. You want your mountain moment? While you're in your brook, humble yourself in the presence of God. Worship him, worship him, worship him. This altar's wide open. Bring your faith. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost, let us know. We're going to pray it through right now. Come on, you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're the God yeah. of miracles. Oh. I believe come on, come on, come on. Don't come down and get all sad. The Lord, worship you. him with what he's done for you, the you're valleys the he's brought you through.
0: Brooke, he brought you through. Yeah.
1: Come on, you're down here for your mountain I moment. In you. oh, yeah. I believe in you. I believe you. Yeah. You're the God of miracles. You know. I believe. I believe in you. I believe in you, Lord. I believe. In you. I believe Come on, if in you, you need a healing in your body, make your way. You you're need the, the Holy Ghost, let God us know. Let Let us know you need healing Let us know we're going to pray for you God's working a miracle